Jill, it's all going to work out just right. I texted Brandon and said, just be on the lookout. Tonight's message is not that long. So you, he said, I'm, it's going to be running close. And I said, well, I'll stall the best I can. All right. It all works out. Thank you, Jill. You know, that, that song probably speaks to a lot of people, Jill, and uh, the truth of it. Tonight, 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. In the bulletin, I had 9 through 17, but we're going to do 9 and 10, all right? We're going to do 9 and 10 tonight. Figured you'd appreciate a short one over a long one. So we're just going to do two verses tonight as we look at the judgment seat of Christ. The judgment seat of Christ. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 9. Wherefore we labor that whether present or absent we may be accepted of Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that which he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Let's pray together. Father, we do give you thanks for this time to come, time to celebrate, a time to worship, to lift our hearts and our voice to you, and Lord, to even express the deepest things in our life. And Lord, to find comfort and solace in the fact that you never, ever leave. That you're an ever-present help in times of trouble in our life. Lord, we need to be reminded of that sometimes. Lord, tonight I pray for the kids in Awana and all those who lead them, who teach them, and show them your love. God, I pray that you draw their little hearts to you. God, help us to be good caretakers of their life as a church. God, help us to show compassion to those that need compassion in their life. God, that you would be honored and glorified in this time together. Lord, the truth of your word would ring in our hearts tonight for your glory and our edification and our maturing in you. Thank you for Christ Jesus that he went and died in our place so that we could know forgiveness, freedom and pardon, and access to you. We pray these things in his name. Amen. The judgment seat of Christ is one of those topics that we don't necessarily speak of often or even think about maybe, but... I believe that the Word of God, that it puts, us, puts it before us from, from time to time in order for us to think about that our, our current life has eternal consequence. Our current life has eternal consequence. You know, Paul, that he gladly lived in the present, but he lived for the future. He lived in the present, but he lived for the future. You know, heaven... And eternity for Paul were not that far away. And that's what drove him and motivated him in so many uh, different areas of his life. 
uh, he looked at what lie ahead in, uh, as far as the judgment seat of Christ, and he looked at that as something that was really uh, next on the calendar, uh, something that he thought would be a very soon event. Now, I mentioned a week or two ago that God's children are in one of two places. They're either on earth or in heaven. And so that he was making the time, his time here upon earth, that he was making the best of that time in anticipation of his time in heaven. And that's how you and I are to live uh, moment by moment, making the best use of our time in anticipation of heaven. Uh, as I get older, that I'm reminded uh, that I have uh, you know, fewer years to go. Hopefully I still have many, but I don't know that. But however many I have, I don't have as many as I did. I know that. And so that I need to be making uh, good use of the time that I have. Uh, Paul nor I can determine uh, how long that I have, but Paul and I, we can determine what we're going to do with the time that we do have. And so uh, we don't know what that's going to look like, but we know that we need to leave, live uh, every moment as if it is going to be our last. Uh, as we see the verses preceding these that we looked at uh, the past, two, I guess it's two weeks ago now, that Paul, that he lived with the uh, expectation uh, that he would not die, but there the Lord would come back, there would be the rapture. Uh, but he said, hey, if I die, I die, I'm ready for that, I understand what's going to uh, take place, and, and that's okay too, uh, but whether he was uh, going to live for another day or another 10 years or whatever, uh, his constant desire was to God to, for God to get glory out of his life, for his life to be well-pleasing unto the Lord. You know, we live uh, day to day. Uh, and we wake up in the morning that we're, we need to accomplish this, this, and this. I wake up in the morning, and when I do, I open up my phone, I pull out my calendar, and I look at the things that I have uh, on my agenda for that day. And uh, that's just routine. If you probably uh, do the same thing, so you can lay out your day. But I wonder how many of us, as we start the day, is being well-pleasing to the Lord, is it part of our day? Is it a scheduled part of our day that we are, our ambition, our goal, our aim, our desire is to be well-pleasing unto the Lord? Uh, Romans 14, Paul, he writes the words that we have before us, and he also writes in Romans 14, 7 and 8, for none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord. And whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, we die, we are the Lord's. And that really puts things in perspective uh, in our lives. That whether we're living, whether we're dying, whatever state that we find ourselves in. That we recognize that we are the Lord's and that our life, our living and our dying that it is to be for God's glory. Now, you and I who have uh, been influenced by the gospel may not uh, think a whole lot uh, about these statements that we have before us here, uh, but as you try to put yourself in the context that Paul is writing this in, 
in that day and age and in that culture and in that belief system that many of the Greeks round about them uh, thought there was no consequence as to what happened in the body. Uh, that it just, didn't, it just didn't matter what you did in the body at all. That it just happened here and that's all there was to it. But Paul, that he hits that uh, head on and says absolutely what you and I do, that it has consequence for all of eternity. And that is the case, that we are lives, that it matters, and it has consequence for all of eternity. And I'm afraid that we often live like the Greeks. Even we as, as people who know the Word of God, who are genuine believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, and yet we give no real thought to the fact that our lives are of eternal consequence and that it will really, really, really will make a difference in all of eternity how you and I live today. And so it's a reminder in this text of Scripture of the importance of you and I living for eternity. And so he says that it's very important as we come into verse number 9. Wherefore we labor that whether present or absent we may be accepted of him. So he talks about the great ambition that he has. All right, Paul's great ambition in verse number 9. Wherefore that we labor. And that word labor, it means it's the word that we get strive from, and it's the word ambition. So that is Paul's ambition. He's talking about uh, what he desires in his life, what he is wanting to achieve with his life. You know, we uh, oftentimes people that they set uh, maybe some uh, mottos for themselves, they, they make some. Uh, Phrases who define who they are and what they want to do and what they want to be. And this for Paul was one of his defining statements about himself. That he had this ambition in his life. Wherefore we labor, we have this ambition that whether present or absent we may be accepted of him. And so Paul's ambition was that he would be accepted of him. And that, that line there isn't, well, am I going to make it to heaven or not? No, is my life going to end up being well-pleasing to the Lord? Well-pleasing. And you know, as a, you, know you want your children to uh, live in that, in that mindset that they desire to please their parent. Uh, you know, sometimes you have a, 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 a good dog in your life that wants to please you and make you happy, all right? You know, that, that, that sort of thing. And that's what Paul, that, that his desire was that God would find him well-pleasing, that God would, would take great, have great joy in the life that he had lived. Now, there's nothing that you and I can do with our lives that is greater than this right here. You can have a lot of ambitions in life, but there's no ambition that you'll pursue that'll ever be greater than this ambition right here. That at the end of the day, to say that your life has been well-pleasing to the Lord. The epitaph that they put on uh, your tombstone one day, if, you know, if Jeff Darnell was able to inscribe your tombstone and says, well-pleasing to the Lord, then you're a success. 
if you've done that. And that's to be my ambition, to be your ambition. Paul likes using that word acceptable. He uses it a couple of times in the book of Romans. That, that is something that's always on his mind. Constantly, constantly whispering in his ear. Are we acceptable unto God? Is it well pleasing unto God? That would be a good criteria that we ask in many times in our life. Is this going to cause my life to be well pleasing unto God? 1 Corinthians Chapter 4, and obviously that Paul writes 1 Corinthians as well. He says, it's a very small thing that I should be judged of you or of man's judgment. Then he goes on to say, but he that judgeth me is the Lord. See that Paul, that uh, he didn't, ha- you know, he didn't have uh, you know, a, a big concern about what other people were thinking of him. Uh, you know, Paul, that if he was really that concerned about whether, what other people thought about him, he would be down and out and distraught and wouldn't have gotten anything accomplished. But he had his mind fixed on one thing, and that was the question, is God pleased with what I'm doing? And that, that's the question of all questions. Is God pleased with what you and I are doing? That he desired to please God above anything else. He desired to please God above anybody else. And may that be my motto in life, that I desire to please God. May it be yours, that you desire to please Him above anybody, any human opinion, or anybody's estimation of who you are, or what you ought to be, that we desire to have the approval of God. And Paul goes on to say there in verse 5, he says, Therefore judge nothing before the time... Until the Lord comes. That he knows that there's coming a time when everything will be judged for what it is. Now, you know, we offer, offer our judgment. And our judgment, it may be right, it may be wrong. But I know one thing about it. That the judgment that you and I give, that it is not, as, it is not true and accurate as compared to the judgment of God. You see that we only, we only look on the outside. That's what Samuel, 2 Samuel there, that, that we human beings, we look on the outside, but what? God looks at the heart. And that's what's true, is the heart, yours and my heart. In verse number 10, he talks about the great motivation. <coughs> Excuse me. Nine, the great ambition. And ten, the great motivation. The great motivation. Four, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. So, in addition to his ambition, we see his motivation here. What was it that propelled him? What was it that put the energy in his life? Because that he knew that one day he was going to stand before the Lord. Now, uh, putting that in perspective, that is huge. Uh, Thinking that we will stand before God one day. And that we will, uh, it will all hash out what we have done. Whether it's right, wrong, good, bad, however. uh, That's pretty weighty when you start to think about that. 
And most of us probably do not want to think about life in that term. But it, for Paul, that it was a great uh, motivation, that it kept him on track, and it kept him focused. And friend, what Paul come to understand, that it was not exclusively for Paul, but he said, for we shall A-L-L, all, every one of us, no matter if you're sitting on the back row or the front, front row or whatever, that we're all going to be there. Now, he says this in Romans 14.10 as well. For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Again, Paul, that he brings it up. It's something that he is living with. It's a constant reality for him. And I ask you, is it a constant reality in your life that you will stand before the judgment seat of Christ? Now, one translation says that we must have our lives laid open. That we will have our lives laid open. Now this doesn't simply mean that we're going to show up. We will, but it means more than us just showing up. It means that to make clear, it means to make visible. That there's coming a day when everything in our life is going to be stripped away. All of our Everything that we put out there in life, whether it be good or bad or real or phony or whatever. Now, when I say it's going to be stripped away, not that God didn't know it to start with. God, God knew it before we got up there. He knows our heart right now. He knows your heart, knows my heart right now. But it's finally, it's going to be who we really are. That's all that's going to be left of us. It's who we really are. Not the fake and the phony. Not who we want people to think we are. But in that day, it's only going to be who we really are. We're going to get the, the final verdict. The final verdict. The just verdict on who we are. How, what, how we did with what we had. Some of us have got more liability there, don't we? How we did with what we had. What you know, what you've been exposed to, your giftedness, your opportunity, my opportunity, my giftedness. Hebrews 4.13 says, Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Right. Now, I want to make it clear that this text, as we sit here and talk about the judgment seat of Christ. That this is talking to believers. This is exclusively for believers here. This just judgment seat is for believers. Now when we, sometimes people get those mixed up. But the great white throne will be for unbelievers. The great white throne is for unbelievers. And the judgment seat of Christ that that is for believers. And it comes from that word bema. Uh, it means to, to have a platform by which a judge distributes medals and, and that sort of thing. Maybe, um, maybe we would best liken it to, to the Olympics when they're on the, the platform and those medals are being put around their neck. It's that time. It's that occasion. 
And that's what we see that's going to take place one day. We're not judged for sin at the Bema. Our sin has been taken care of at the cross. You're not going to be judged for your sin when you get to heaven. You say, well, I'm going to pay for that one day. No, you're not. It's been paid for. Don't live like that. Don't talk like that. It's been paid for. Now, 1 Peter 2, 24. Why? Because who, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sin that we should live to righteousness. That he bore our sin. That we're not going to have to pay for our sin. That he bore. He took care of it at the cross. The judgment seat. That we're going to receive what is honoring to God. I think it's neat here that he stresses the personal nature of it as he talks about that we're all going to appear there, every one of us. You know what? We're not going to get graded on the curve. Not going to be a whole pile of us there. And he said, yep, good to go. But your, your life, yours, you're not responsible for anybody else on this day but yourself. No excuses. No finger pointing. Just us. Just me. We shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body. Now, he goes on to say, according to that which he hath done. Maybe you have a translation that says recompensed. But according and receive there, those words come together. It means to receive back what is due. To receive back that which is due. Now, So, another strong indicator and reminder that what happens now has eternal consequence that will last forever. There are things that we do here on this earth that will have eternal consequence. Things that here that it may not matter a hill of beans to a lot of people, but in heaven it may last through all of eternity. Things that may not get accolades here, may not get recognition here, That the church may not even place high value on. And yet in heaven God places high value on it. Maybe a kind word to somebody who's down and out. Maybe a little bit of love to a child who has nobody to care for. Things that go unnoticed in this world. They don't go unnoticed in heaven. And Jesus himself said that we are to lay up treasures in heaven. Where moth and rust can't destroy it. A lot of times we spend a lot of our lives on things that moths and rust destroy. We need to be living for eternal things. And as I say that, I'm preaching to myself. 
I should be much more eternally minded. And may God help me that I live in that sort of fashion. That he may receive the things done in his body. We may be rewarded for those things that we have done in ways that honor him. According to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Now, this word bad is a word that means worthless. Worthless. You see, again, the word bad, it, it makes us lean toward the thought of sinfulness. But remember that we're not dealing with sin here. That's already been dealt with. We're dealing with the value of our life resulting in reward. All right? And so that's, we've already been down that road. The sin's dealt with, but bad means worthless or useless. Now turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and very uh, well-known text of Scripture there. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians 3.11 For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man build upon these, this foundation gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, stubble, Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. You see, it's the same thing we see here, that our life's work is going to be evidence, it's going to be open of what sort it is. Is it of value? Is it of gold? Is it a precious stone? Or is it of hay and wood and stubble and things that will be burned up? A lot of things that we invest our life in. The hours that we spend on certain things and yet when it comes to eternity, it's not worth a nickel. So, so... Build your life on things that really matter. Invest your life in things of eternity. If you want your life to count, have an eternal view. I want to hear well done, don't you? I want to hear well done, good and faithful servants. And I believe that's exactly what Paul had in mind. And tonight I simply want to remind us that your life matters. It matters not just today. But your life and my life matters for eternity. When? When we use it for His glory. Or we can live our life, we can live 60, 70, 80, or 90 years. And we get there to, it all burns up. Or we can live our life for things of eternal consequence. And that we'll be rewarded for those things. And I don't believe those rewards are going to be ours to keep, but going to be ours to give away to the one that they're due. And for all of eternity, 
that our lives will bring glory unto God. Not just for 50, 60, 70, 80 years, but for all of eternity. That God intends your life to bring Him glory. I want mine to do that. God help us that we'll live for eternity. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for these words tonight from your book. Lord, thank you for the great example that we see in the life of the Apostle Paul. Who helps us to see what a the great ambition to please you, the right motivation. God, knowing that we're going to stand before you one day. and God, that we don't live in fear. This isn't a fear tactic. But God, it's something that we look, can look forward to as believers. That our lives are going to matter. They may, people may not look at us as such now. But for all of eternity, our life can matter. God, I pray that you'd change our hearts and change our thinking. God, so we're living for something bigger than this. Something greater than ourselves. Your glory. Tonight, I don't know all the needs in this place, Lord, but you do. I don't know how your spirit is spoken, but you do. God, I pray for those who are heavy-hearted tonight, those that are burdened down tonight. I pray for somebody who doesn't know you as Lord and Savior tonight. God, that you would draw them to yourself. God, I pray for somebody who's had a long, hard week. They're as low as they can be right now, God, that your grace would pick them up. God, that in your, in your mercy that you'd give them strength and you'd give them courage to face the next day. God, they'd see hope and they'd see purpose for their life. Thank you for speaking to us tonight. Pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's stand together.